Welcome to Midweek, a place where we dive deep into Scripture. So grab your Bible, a pen, and a notebook, and get ready to study God's Word. All right, tonight we're going to um, turn to Daniel chapter 7 in your Bibles, and we're going to look at uh, what Daniel, in his vision, calls, he sees it as a little horn. Now, Daniel has seen a very disturbing vision. This is just a quick review of what we did uh, last week in the first part of Daniel. And if you remember in this vision that we looked at last week, uh, it very much parallels the, in chapter, I think, chapter 2 of Daniel. Remember the statue of Nebuchadnezzar? It's a, ve- it's a parallel to that. You will even see tonight when we get to Revelation, that parallels also. These all interconnect with each other. And so Daniel sees in this dream of his, as he looks in what's called the night visions, he sees first this empire, this lion that had eagle's wings. Let's see if we know him enough by now. And what empire was that? It was the lion now? What is it? Okay, I'll help you out. Okay, starts with a beat. No, it's uh, Babylon. And then Daniel, in his night vision, he goes to the bear, and the bear is the Medo-Persian Empire. Remember the, the Medo-Persians? They conquered the Babylonians. And then from there, goes to the leopard, and that's the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great, who conquers the Persian Empire. And then Daniel, in this vision that he has in the night visions, the next one, do you remember? There's no description that, that is like a certain animal. Remember that? It's not a certain animal, but it starts to talk about characteristics of this fourth beast that Daniel, I would assume that there's no animal on earth that he could parallel it to. And so he starts just to describe it, that it's a very dreadful and terrifying beast that he sees. And do you remember what the teeth are made of? Does anyone remember that? They're iron. Good for you. They are iron teeth. And it tramples down everything. Do you remember how many horns it has? It has 10 horns. You are correct on that. And then from the 10 horns, there rises up another horn, but it is what? It's a, it's a little horn. We know that it's the Antichrist. And then we know that little horn uproots three of the other horns. And, uh, but interestingly enough, as Daniel looks in the night visions, he finds something fascinating about this little horn in that it has what? It has eyes. And it can also what? Speak. And it boasts. It's a very boastful thing, this little horn. And then all of a sudden, you know, as everything progresses, then we see in the night, he sees in the night visions, uh, it shifts and the ancient of days, we know it's God the Father. It comes and it, uh, it conquers and, and it's cast in, uh, the little horn's cast into fire. We know fire is a symbol in scripture of eternal judgment and uh, also in that night vision he sees the son of man come up to the ancient days it's really a it's like a heavenly picture and we know the son of man we talked about him last week who it was we went to new testament jesus on trial before uh, the sanhedrin and he says from here on you'll see the son of man coming in the clouds, so he called himself the Son of Man. And when he does that, do you remember what the high priest does? He rips his robe because that is blasphemy to to this high priest because he does not believe that Jesus is who he claims he is, God and the the God-man, the Messiah. And so he is the Son of Man. So when he hears that, this high priest, he knows, he knows his, his, his Old Testament. And so he knows Jesus is referring to himself 
as this person in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, verse 14, as this son of man, the one that goes up to God the Father. So he knows he's, Jesus saying he's messianic, he's deity, he's all these things. And so it is one crazy dream, isn't it? And so Daniel has taken us through this, this vision, this dream. And the second half of the chapter, Daniel, well, well, let's just pick it up from there. Here we go. Let's start in verse 15. It says, as for me, Daniel my, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. You think? I mean, wouldn't you be alarmed? Wouldn't you be distressed? You'd be like, what in the world? Especially the fourth beast. It's kind of, this is wild right here. And then so verse 16, he says, I approached one of those who were standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Now stop right there. Did you notice something interesting in verse 16? He approaches one of the people that are standing next to him. Who is standing next to him? Do you ever think about that? There's this group of people standing there. He goes, well, maybe these guys know. And I'm going to ask one of these guys, what exactly does this vision that I'm receiving, what does this even mean? In other words, I want to know the interpretation. So in verse 17, it says, here he goes, he goes, these great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, for all ages to come. So now he says, look, here's the interpretation. These four beasts, they are four kings. And there's this highest one who will live forever. Now, did you notice in verse uh, 17 at the end, where do the four beasts arise from? The earth. Therefore, that's why it's limited empire. It's not forever. But then we also find that this highest one, who we know is Jesus Christ, this highest one, he comes from heaven. If you go back to verse 13, you don't have to go back there, but you find he's with the Ancient of Days. So it's a heavenly picture. So he comes from there. And that's why his reign, his realm is eternal. Now, Daniel, he gets this interpretation. Is he satisfied? And the answer is no. He wants more. He wants to understand more. Verse 19. Then I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast. It's the fourth beast that's intriguing to him. It goes, I got to know. I, I got to know what this, what this guy's all about. Which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its claws of bronze, and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet. Verse 20. And the meaning of the ten horns. I wonder what that means too. That were on its head. And the other horn which came up and before which three of them fell. Namely, that horn had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts. Which was larger in appearance than its, than its associates. Now, he says, I want to know. I get it on the fourth, but I want to know about that fourth one. Because that guy's different. He's got the iron teeth. You know, this, it's interesting, this little horn comes from him. He uproots 10 of the other horns. So I, I want to know about that. Here's what I find a little bit, uh, it's fascinating. I don't know exactly how to explain it. You can speculate it in you want. But look back at verse 20. It says at the very end that this one uttering great boasts, it, which was larger in appearance than its associate. Stop. 
Is it a big or a little horn? It's a little horn. But he says it's larger in appearance than its associates. Well, there's 10 other horns. And so it's a little horn. He never said the other 10 were little. He just says this one's little. But he, I think the key to that is in appearance. It appears little, but it's not really that way. It's kind of faking you out. Because it's going to utter great boasts. And we know what this thing is. It is the Antichrist. Now, verse 21. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Now, the first thing that you want to notice real quick is that Daniel keeps looking, right? And we know from multiple verses in chapter 7, in this vision, he pauses. Periodically, he pauses, and he says, And I kept looking in the night visions. Then he gets more. And then he pauses. He says, and I kept looking in the night visions. There's four times before this fifth time that he has paused in this night vision. So he keeps moving there. Now, <clears throat> here's what's interesting. And we need to at least say something about this. And that is this, that, <clears throat> that um, he says, this little horn, it says in verse 21, he wages war with the saints and he overpowers the saints, right? Right? Yes. Okay. So that's, so if we, we read that, do you remember when we studied in Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going to be thrown in, into the uh, fiery furnace? Remember that? Yeah. And remember they give him one more chance. So we're going to give you one more chance. We're going to kick up the band one more time. Remember we said they're going to play Running with the Devil. One more. Van Halen's here. We're going to play that song. And when that song kicks up, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship or else we're throwing you in the fiery furnace. And, uh, and, there's, and he says, and there's no God that can deliver you from my hand. And what do the three guys say? They say, our God will deliver us. But then they add a key phrase that we need to remember. But even if he doesn't, we will still worship him and not you. What did they acknowledge? The possibility of what? That they will not be delivered. They could die here. They, they know that. And so right here when we see that this little horn overpowers the saints, it really gives us a good balance of life that God won't always deliver us even when we've done everything right. Any amens? Persecution, I mean... How many millions of Christians all over the world have been tortured, put in prison for life for converting one person to Christ? How many pastors are in prison in China right now for life for that? How many people have been murdered, beheaded because they are Christians? How many people all over the world and they were never delivered? So it is an arrogant assumption for us to think that God has to deliver us all the time. And if we live in that assumption, therefore, when he doesn't deliver us, then we're going to be disappointed and wonder possibly, maybe there isn't a God. So you don't want to set yourself up for things like that. Now, in um, this little horn, I want to show you one more thing. I think, where did I, did I say, I, said, da, 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 da. I think I went right by it. Okay, so, now let's, let's move on. Okay, um, so the question is this. Here's my next question. Um, in verse 21, I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints. Question? What saints? 
This is the Antichrist. What saints? The Antichrist comes on the scene in the great seven-year tribulation, the last seven years. What saints? That's a good question, right? So, no, let me, let me dialogue this with you a little bit here. So, um, and, we'll, and, and you've already got a verse in your notes, so don't go there yet till I tell you, okay? Don't use your cheat sheet. No, I'm, I'm a person that firmly believes, and I know not everybody does, and I have no problem. It's an intramural argument. I'm not going to debate. I'm so old now, I don't debate with anybody on that kind of stuff. You know, I'm just done with it, okay? You want to believe you're going through the trip? God bless you, man. You know, I, I, I look at Scripture, I see otherwise. So we're going to be raptured, biblically. We're going to be raptured before the tribulation period. That's going to be the end of the church age. We'll talk more about that in Daniel 9. You'll see why I believe so strongly in that. But then it kicks off this seven-year period. Now, Antichrist comes into power during the tribulation period. Now, the question is, will there be Christians in the tribulation? Yeah, because people are going to be what? Getting saved. They absolutely, people will, there still will be people here. There will be people left behind. And see, in that tribulation period, no, here's what, I better, before I keep talking, go, go to, to Revelation chapter 20. Keep your marker here all the time. Keep your marker here all the time. Go to Revelation 20. When you're there, say I'm there. Now, watch this. Um, if you ever want to scare anybody into the kingdom, here you go. It says, um, Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been, say the word, beheaded. What's that doing in the Bible? Whoa! Because of their testimony of Jesus, and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their forehead, and on their hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ for what? A thousand years. Now, here's the issue, and I don't have a lot of time to go into this one, but I'm going to hit it, and I'm going to go back, and that's this. Once we're gone, if it happens in our lifetime, the rapture, in our kids' lifetimes, or our grandkids' lifetimes, I pretty much feel like we're getting closer, well, we're always getting closer, um, but looking around at everything now, and I, and I always kind of look at the United States as the last place to go to, and now it's going crazy. And so there's no way out situations, and people don't get along, and it's pure chaos and all this kind of stuff. But during the tribulation period, see, um, God's not done with Israel. And so there's going to be these Israelites, 144,000 male virgin Jewish Israelites. We call them Messianic Jews. They will get saved. And they will travel the entire earth during the tribulation period. And they will be evangelizing people. Not only them two, but there's two guys going to be walking around too. I mean, they may be driving around, I don't know. But Moses, and I think it's Elijah, is the other one. I think it's a good description in Revelation that Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses that will walk the earth. So you're going to have this Jewish born-again presence of 140,000, and then you have Moses and Elijah who will come back, and they will walk the earth, and they will be evangelizing the earth. Is that wild or what? Yeah. I wish I had, we're going, I wish we'd go into what's going to happen to those guys because it's wild, but it's really cool. Now, so 
they will witness to people. People are going to get saved. Antichrist will still now hunt people down. Will he not? Because he's going to force them. You take the mark or you die. And the way you're going to die, we found out in verse 4, is what? They're going to behead you. Now, if you want everyone, like I said, scare somebody in the kingdom of God, that's when people say, oh, when the time comes, I'll be glad to lose my head. Oh, really? So you're going to be laying there like this. You're going, go ahead, chop it off. I'm okay with that. And what if you have children and they're going to put your kids in that thing? Then what are you going to do? So you've got to think about a lot of things in those situations. And so the Antichrist, he don't play, okay? He don't play. Because his goal is to get people in allegiance with him, worship him, and thus the worship will travel through him to Satan himself. Any amens on that one? So that's the saints. Those are the ones, and they are in the tribulation period, wishing that they had gotten saved and listened to their relatives and followed Jesus Christ and therefore not have to go through that time. Now back to Daniel chapter 7. We will come back to Revelation, I think a couple, one more time at least. Now, let's go verse 22. It says, and he's overpowering them, until the ancient of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when saints took possession of the kingdom. So we know the little, the little horn overpowers the saints, but now it says that God will overpower the little horn and establish an eternal kingdom. And aren't you glad for that one, right? that we always win in the end. So here we go, guys. This is where I wanted to get to, and we're going to do a lot of different things. Now, verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast, here it comes. I'm going to tell you what the fourth beast is about. The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. In your notes, bullet point, here we go, first fill in, is the fourth kingdom is a one-world empire. The fourth kingdom is a one-world empire. Question, what do dictators all want? The same thing. Power, control. You do what I say. You believe what I believe. You do not make waves. If you do, we kill you. It's that simple. You said that doesn't happen. It's happened all over the world throughout history. It's happening right now. That's what dictators want, and they've always wanted that. Now, the question is, how will Antichrist pull this thing off? How is one man going to pull this thing up? Well, look at verse 24. As for the ten horns, out of his kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will rise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and will subdue how many kings? Three kings. Bullet point, second one is this. Antichrist will rise to power through a ten-nation union. It will be a ten-nation union. That's the ten horns. We can prove this biblically in Revelation. We can prove it with the ten toes of, of the, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. But I want you to keep your marker here. We're going to go back to Revelation chapter 13. Now watch this. You're going to get a good little working description of this stuff. Here we go. Revelation 13. Keep your marker right here. <clears throat> when well, you're in Revelation 13, say I'm there. I'm going to read verse 1 through 8. And then I'm going to go back and tell you what this stuff is all about. Very, very briefly. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast. Now remember, this is John 
one of the twelve, original apostles, he's the, we call him the revelator. He's given a vision into the future, at least a couple thousand years into the future, and he's describing things. He says, Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having how many horns? There it is, ten horns and seven heads. Hold that thought. And on his horns were ten diadems, those are crowns. And on his head were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. Mm, interesting. And his feet were like those of a? Interesting. And his mouth was like the mouth of a? Well, we've heard that before, right? And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Now it gets really interesting. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain. And his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. Have we heard that before from the little horn? Mm -hmm. And authority to act for 42 months was given to him. Now, 42 months, theirs back then, they went by a lunar calendar, not the solar like we do. They went by 30-day months. Their calendars were off, so that's three and a half years. Remember that. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. She's talking bad about heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints, interesting, and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people. Remember, this is tribulation stuff, and people, and tongue, and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. In other words, people that aren't saved, they're going to be worshiping this guy. Now, let me go back and give you some breakdowns of some things here so you can just get a, a, a simplistic working knowledge of this. The dragon is who? It's Satan. You could say it like he's a serpent on steroids. Amen? That's what he's like right there. He's a serpent on steroids. Now, the beast rises through the ten horns. The beast is the Antichrist. We saw him as the little horn in Daniel. He is called the beast in Revelation. He's coming through the ten horns. He rises out of the sea. The sea is people. More likely Gentile people. Not Jewish, but he's rising through the Gentile world. The say yes, seven heads. Now, seven heads is a really interesting thing. Um, and there's some thoughts on this and that if I had a lot of time, I, I had more, not a lot, but if I had more time I could take you through the seven heads. Can I just take it? There's not any notes, and I'm really tempted, so can I just go with my temptation? Okay, um, okay I, got, I got it over there. Okay. So keep your finger here again, because we'll come back to this. And uh, no, no, wait, let me finish this, and then you remind me seven heads, okay? Okay, let me, let's do that, okay. Um, and then he has the characteristics of a lion, a bear, and a leopard. That's the empires of the past, which we've already learned multiple times, right? So he encompasses all the empires of the past. There's something about him that encompasses all. He has authority, and his power comes from Satan, the dragon himself. Now, we saw in verse 3 that he's going to receive a wound, and it will look like he dies. Notice verse 3. I saw one of his heads 
as, as if it had been slain. As if it had been slain. It looks like he's going to die. It looks like he will die and come back from the dead. Because remember, when he's the, as the Antichrist, the term Antichrist, it doesn't mean opposite. It means in place of. He's a copycat. He's going to try to look like him. So he's going to look like a Messiah who has been killed and come back from the dead. I can cross-reference that for you if you want to jot this down. Zechariah 11, I'm not going to go there. I don't have time to go there. But remember this, that in Revelation chapter 6, when the four horsemen of the apocalypse are unleashed on planet Earth after the rapture, the first rider on the horse is riding what color horse? Do you remember? It's a white horse. Now, we know that Jesus rides a white horse in Revelation chapter 19 in the second coming. But the rider in Revelation 6 is not Jesus Christ. Because this rider goes out conquering and to conquer. He goes out as a politician to conquer. That's none other than the Antichrist. Why is he pictured as a white horse by John the Revelator? He's a copycat. He wants to look like Jesus. So he's going to ride the white horse. He's going to look like he's been killed. And he will come back to life. And people are going to go crazy over this guy. They're going to think this is the Messiah. This is the one. Now, people will marvel. And three and a half years... It's the last three and a half years of the seven-year period. He's going to speak against God and against heaven. Now, the seven heads, right? Oh, you people. Go to Revelation 17. I I didn't rehearse this, so I got to kind of think about it as I say it. The number seven. And I learned this, what I'm going to tell you now... um, I learned this way back in the early 80s. I was reading, and I remember vividly, um, I was reading uh, an End Times book by Chuck Smith. I remember I was reading, I had bought this book, I was reading. And you guys know Chuck Smith, remember? Yeah. Passed away just so many years ago. And, um, and he said this, and I've never forgot it, because it was so fascinating. I thought, whoa, that's interesting. And he said this, he says, look, verse 10 of chapter 17. It's talking about the beast. <clears throat> I better back up to verse 8. I'm so sorry. The beast that you saw was and is not. And is about to come up out of the abyss. In other words, he existed before. Then he isn't. Then he will come back. You catch that? That's interesting, huh? And go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, those names who have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will wonder when they see the beast that he was, and is not, and will come. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast which was, and is not, and is himself also an eighth. Now notice this, he's also a what? An eighth of the verse 10, of the verse 10 total seven, he's also an eighth, another one. And is one of the, one of the seven of verse 10. And he goes to destruction. Here's the way the thinking goes. I can't prove it that this is the way it is, but I think it has a lot of truth to it. He says, there's these seven kings. These five have fallen. At the time of John's writing, at this time, 
five of font. Let's take it from the Roman, from Roman emperors. They had Julius Caesar, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, and Nero, right? One is, number six at the writing right now, at this time of John's writing, that's Domitian. He's the number six right there at that writing, okay? Then there will be a seventh that comes in the future, in the new Roman Empire. I can't tell you that is. I don't know how that works in this and that. But in verse uh, 11, it says that this beast, which was and is not, is also an eighth and one of the seven. Okay. So the Antichrist, he's the eighth. But he was also one of the what? One of the seven. And here's the thinking. That this demon, whichever demon that will inhabit the Antichrist also inhabited one of these previous seven. Now there were some psycho Roman emperors, right? And that's the kind of idea of that. That there's a demon, one of the worst demons, who inhabited one of these previous emperors. He will inhabit the Antichrist. And like I told you on Sunday, I said, I think the Antichrist is walking around right now. He doesn't know he's the Antichrist. has no idea. But he will be inhabited by a demon. And when he does, that's when everything changes. Because remember, this is an unholy trinity. You have, we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? They have dragon, Antichrist, who's inhabited by the demon, and the false prophet, who's the contrary of our Holy Spirit. And so that's the way the whole thing works right there. He's going to copy in every way possible. But there will be a demon that will inhabit this guy. Now, good? You good with that then? Okay, good. Let's go back. So that way I'm allowed to continue my Bible study now, okay? <laughs> okay. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 7. Now, real quick in verse 24, I want you to notice one more thing. It says, And as for the ten horns out of, out of this kingdom, ten, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. So this little horn will arise after them through the ten. Now, notice, it just says he's going to arise after them. There's no fanfare. There's no... Uh, Hoopla, there's nothing. It's almost like he's just systematically in the background, just rising up, rising up till he finally takes power. So nobody's going to really realize too much about what this guy's doing, but he's going to rise through the ranks of power. Now verse 25. Then he, now here's some, some characteristics of him. Then he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, a times, and a... I can't bend my finger halfway, but it's three and a half, okay? And, and, and like that. So let me give you a bullet point in your notes. Here it is. Once in power, his evil nature becomes obvious. Once in power, his evil nature becomes obvious. It says he will speak out against the Most High God. He will rise to the ranks. No one will realize what this evil person is all about, but he will rise through once he takes power. Then he will wear down the, the saints. He will go after the Christians. Now, 
The word wear down or wear out means to harass, to wear away. Remember Sunday morning we talked about persecution, right? He will wear us down and wear us down and wear us down. That's the idea of persecution. If we think there's persecution now, this guy's going to double and triple down on us. He's going to go after Christians like, like the world has never seen before. I'm going to give you three things the Antichrist in your notes will do. First off, persecute the Christians. He's going to go after them like nobody's business, man. Secondly, alter times and law. What does that mean? Well, there's some scholarly speculation on this, and that's this. That time means a set time of season. And most scholars agree that he will go and he will alter the seasons of the festivals of Israel. That they will eliminate Israel's festivals. He's going to do that. Which, remember, we talked about Antiochus Epiphanes IV. Remember that name? He eliminated all those things too, and it's the double prophecy. Remember that? So he's going to do the very same thing. And then the laws. He's going to alter laws. What, what does that mean? Well, a law here, the Hebrew is, it's a decree of the king. Our king is God, is he not? So he's going to alter the laws of God. He's going to throw out the laws of God, and he's going to put his own laws into place. And we see that today, where more and more, God's laws are being rejected, being thrown out in place of man's laws because man has made himself God and man doesn't know that he is motivated by Satan himself. Any amens on that? Yeah, they don't see, they, they don't see that. Now, the third thing is this. He will harass for three and a half years. Man, he will harass and harass and harass for three and a half years. Now, in chapter 9, we're really going to go crazy on that one. But for tonight, keep your finger right here, marker, and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which is a chapter I used on Sunday at the very end. And I thought, I'm going to use it again tonight at the very end. I'm going to say the same thing I did Sunday, but at the very, very end of tonight. <clears throat> because I think it bears repeating. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is, once again, an Antichrist chapter. Now watch this, 1 through 4. You guys all there yet? Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to make sure you're all there. You're almost there? Yeah? Okay. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and are gathering together to him. That you not uh, be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. See, somebody's shaking up these church people, saying Jesus already came, you missed it the whole shot. This is what Thessalonians is all about. He says, don't be deceived. Don't be fooled by this teaching that's contrary, Paul says, to his teaching. Don't do it. Don't fall for it. Verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. There's this great fall, not an apostasy, remember I said Sunday, but the apostasy, a great falling away from God will happen. Which I'm hoping there will be, and I'm praying for a great returning to God before all that happens. I, I mean, that's what I pray that. I hope that. I pray it for America, man. But there'll be a great following. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Do you remember Sunday, what we said the word lawlessness meant? The inability to obey laws. A complete rebellion against laws. Specifically, God's law. 
So this man of sin, this Antichrist, as he was talking about, he will reject all of God's laws. He cannot obey God's laws. He's the man of lawlessness. Remember the word lawlessness. Verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. So that here it is. He takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being what? Ah, so he wants to be what? God. That's Antiochus Epiphanes IV. Remember the double thing? He wanted to be God also and to be worshipped. So here's the deal. The tribulation period. It's seven years. The last seven years. He will come on the scene. And um, for the first three and a half years, he's going to be a really good guy. Everybody's going to think, he's a really good guy. And life on earth will be really, really good. I can give you one little side aspect. Let's say it happened right now. And we all get raptured and we're gone. Who gets all of our wealth and property we leave behind? Relatives, if you got any kind of will or anything. But they'll be living really good, huh? Please say yes. I mean, they'll be living really good. They'll be thinking, this is great times. And that Christ will even seem like for a while that he can solve the world's problems. He can't. He's going to create more problems. But then there's going to come this moment. He's going to buddy up to the Jews. We find, we'll find that in, in Daniel 9. And he's going to help them, it seems like, rebuild the temple. There is no temple there now. There's a mosque. Remember, see the golden dome? That's there now. If you ever go to Israel with this, you'll see it. One of the greatest moments of your life is when we ascend up that hill in that bus and you first see the golden dome. It's one of the greatest. It's like, whoa, you're here now. This is where it all is coming down. Now, they have already, archaeologists, archaeologists have already figured out that, biblical archaeologists, that that's not the original spot where God's temple stood. Because if they took that down and rebuilt the temple, because this temple will be rebuilt, this Jewish temple. If they took down the Mosque of Omar Golden Dome, it would be all hell break loose. You'd have hundreds of millions of Muslims attacking Israel like that. It would be on, man. So they, pro- they have found it probably a different spot, and they keep searching for it, but it will be built. Now, when he helps them build that temple, and Israel's having a great time, and they're doing their sacrifices, because you know they found the red heifer bull now, right? You guys know that? Some of you know what that means, right? So they got that for the sacrifice. They're getting all these things ready. So when they start their sacrifices, they're happy, everything's cool. Hey, this world leader's here, the one world leader's here who helped us out. Then he's going to walk in. And Jesus called it the abomination of desolation. He will walk in, and he's going to announce to everybody, listen up, everyone. And he'll walk in that temple. He's, not so, he's a Gentile. He can't walk in that temple. He walks in and says, I'm God, and now you worship me. And they're not going to. The Jews will not do that. And man, it's going to set him off. It's going to set him off like no one's ever been set off before. And they're going to run, and he's going to chase. And they're going to run, and he's going to chase. He's going to go on a rampage like the world has never seen before. But here's the deal. The question is, what happens at the end? And we'll get into more of this each week as well. What happens at the end of the great seven-year tribulation? Back to Daniel. Keep your finger, keep your marker in, um, in Thessalonians. We're going to go back there at the end. But go back to Daniel 7. Let me, let me drive it home now. 
Daniel 7, 26. But the court will sit for judgment. After he does all this, now it's, but the court will sit for judgment and his dominion, small h, that's Antichrist's dominion, will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Antichrist, boom. Jesus comes, boom, man. Then sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. Who's that? Who's that? It's us. It will be given to us. Is that awesome or what? We win. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all the dominions will serve and obey him. Let me give you some quick things here. Number one, your notes. Antichrist is judged and taken away and we can all say amen. There'll come a time when there's no more evil, no more sin, no more temptation, none of that stuff. It's going to be great, isn't it? All the crazy, mixed up, upside down thinking that we see today, you'll never hear that stuff again. It'll all be gone. Point two, the Son of Man will come back. Now, remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream in the statue? Anybody remember that again? What finally destroyed the statue? Do you remember? It was a giant stone, a mountain, that was carved out not with human hands. It specifically says that. It's a supernatural mountain. It's a godly mountain. It's Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. Boom, man. He's going to come. He's going to destroy all of Satan's realm. And then number three, the followers of Christ receive a kingdom. And aren't you glad? We receive a kingdom. Now, verse 28 says, at this point, the revelation ended. (laughs) Can you imagine Daniel going, oh my gosh, it's over. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming me and my face grew pale. But I kept the matter to myself. He does like Mary did when, she, when Gabriel told her that you're going to have this child and etc. by the Holy Spirit. And she said she pondered all these things in her heart. And that's what he's doing right now for a while. But he will write them down. Now, <clears throat> I said this Sunday, but I want to finish with it again. I, I just believe in reinforcing it and reinforcing and reinforcing. Go back to 2 Thessalonians. It's the way I ended Sunday. It's the way I'm going to end right now. Now we saw where he walks into the temple. This man of what? What's the word? He's a man of what? Lawlessness. Means he cannot obey the laws. He has no ability to. Verse 5. Talking about the man, the, the Antichrist. Do you not remember this man of laws? Do you not remember that while I was still with you, Paul speaking, I was telling you these things. And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time it will be revealed. Question, what restrains him now? Christians, us. It's very simple. If he was to show up right now and we're here, we'd know, we, we'd sit and go, that's the Antichrist. We'd know. We're the ones who would know. So we're the restrainers. And now watch when we get to the restrainers taking away. For the mystery of lawlessness is, say it with me, already. It's already, say it, come on, all together is what? It's already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Will we be taken out of the way at one point? You better believe it. We have to be taken out of the way. We have to be gone. And that's the church age will end at that moment. And the seventh week of Daniel's 70-week prophecy of years now begins, the clock begins ticking again. In chapter 9, I'll give you all the details of that. Then, verse 8, 
the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth. Isn't that interesting? Jesus was slain with the breath of his mouth because we know Jesus as the word of God, right? And all, all the scriptures God breathed, right? It's the word of his mouth. He's the word of God. And will bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one who's coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power, signs, and false wonders. In other words, Jesus will put an end to all that stuff right there. Now, let's finish off again and let me reinforce what I said Sunday. That... Um, He's a man of lawlessness in verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. This mystery of lawlessness is what? It's already at work. When did Paul write this? Almost 2,000 years ago. So it was already working. It was already happening. There's already a spirit in in the world at that time of lawlessness that goes against all of God's rule. It's already at work. So Satan's already been at work. And he's been at work. It's not just like all of a sudden Antichrist is going to show up and now it's going to... No, no. It's already been at work. And it's been at work for a couple thousand years going against the laws of God. Going against the laws of God. Going against the laws of God. Wherever God's people go and they create like a nation built on the laws of God. And after a while, he intervenes and he invades and he destroys, tries to break down the laws of God. And break down the laws of God. What's Paul telling us? What's Paul saying? It's what I said Sunday. The trends in history... Because they're already at work. It's been at work for a couple thousand years. The trends in history are not innocent. Don't act like it's nothing. You're watching trends. This is the lawlessness already. They're not innocent trends. They're moving us inch by inch by inch closer and closer and closer to the moment that government, Antichrist, will be a government official. And they will lead the onslaught against Christian people all over this planet. It will be the worst persecution and it will be led by government. And if you say that's just not going to happen, then you need to go visit some third world countries and dictatorial countries where that's happening and then come back and tell me if they let you come back. Yeah. It's, not, it's happening. And it's already at work. It's already work. We have our jobs cut out for us, don't we? We have our jobs cut out for us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we get to have this truth of your word. That we're not going to be fooled. But God, we do need a pouring out of your spirit all over the world. We know in many third world countries, those people are on fire. Man, Christianity is exploding. But not here. And now we know other countries are sending missionaries to America to evangelize us. It used to be the other way. God, I pray your spirit pour it out on America. Save millions. Save millions. And God, I pray for us. I pray every day we pray for opportunities. And when that opportunity arises, We ask for boldness to step through and share what we know to be true. Thank you, Jesus, for your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. 
Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.